0: Hello, and welcome back. My name is Barrett Fagan, and this is Abstract Mind. Hello. If you're a returning listener, welcome back, and thank you for joining me for another episode. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. In this podcast, we look at the history of philosophy and how past values can be applied to our modern world. Today's subject is Soren Kierkegaard. Alright, so let's just get right into the backstory of Soren. Before we discuss some of his philosophies, Soren was born in Copenhagen on May 5th, 1813, and he was the seventh and last child of a wealthy family. Soren's father, Michael, was on his second marriage, following the death of his first wife. Michael carried this guilt and inflicted his pain on his children. He was extremely strict and religious, to say the least, and because of this, Soren claims he never truly had a childhood and was born old. Michael's depression caused his material fortune and wealth to take a quick turn and he believed his family had been cursed by God. Only two of his seven sons, Christian and Soren, survived past the age of 33. During Michael's upbringing, he studied at a top university After making his fortune, he devoted himself to the study of philosophy and literature. He left his two surviving sons with an extremely sharp intellect and a very melancholy tone. Michael remains a constant part of Soren's writing as he appears in many of his stories of sorrow and grief. However, his late mother is never mentioned in his writing, and her death is potentially the reason for his uneasy relationships with the opposite sex, as displayed in his writings. Now that we've talked about Soren's father and his childhood, let's discuss his education. During Soren's time in school, he utilized the teachings and interests of his father to build his own interests around Latin and history courses. But despite his sharp intellect, Soren struggled with Danish composition, which later became a major problem for him as he tried to make his way as a Danish writer. Soren went on to attend the University of Copenhagen as he studied theology, but soon broadened his studies to include philosophy and literature, just like his father. Now, he has covered a vast variety of topics in his philosophical writings, but Today, we're in becoming one of his more intriguing ideas that I genuinely just love talking about, the concept of anxiety and the freedom that comes with it. Now, Kierkegaard is widely regarded as a founder of European existentialism. Well, what is that? Existentialists held the belief that all individuals were absolutely responsible for their own life, created their own choices and purpose. These existentialists commonly rejected social conventions And also rejected traditional faith. He argues that true freedom is experienced as anxiety about the responsibility one has over their own life. He understands anxiety as a sign of humanity's freedom of choice. And cites that coming to terms with your anxiety means recognizing the vast possibilities and choices that lie ahead of you. And being able to make these decisions without guidance from an outside force. Now... He was most certainly a trailblazer in the sense that he advocated for people to break free from the uh, external rules and chart their own unique course in life. Now, despite existentialists not believing in traditional faith, he still very much believed in a God. However, he did argue that true faith is completely different from the typical traditional faith that's displayed by the Catholic Church. He, He argues that true faith is a purely individual experience, and says that following the set of Religious practices will never lead to a true connection with God, and you must pave your own path. Surprisingly, he is actually one of the first known European philosophers to actually address what is now commonly known as anxiety or existential dread. So, to start off, we must define anxiety. Many people confuse the idea of anxiety with the emotions of fear or nervousness. They may say they are anxious about a test that they have. Or maybe they get anxious driving on the highway. Now, anxiety can best be understood by an example. So let's look at college choices, for instance. So imagine you're looking at five or so colleges, and they all look like a great fit, and you got into all of them. Congratulations. But, there's a caveat. You can only pick one. And this single decision will directly impact the rest of your life, your whole future. Now imagine that Instead of only five colleges on your list, the list is infinitely long, and you have an infinite number of choices, and each of these choices will equally drastically impact the rest of your life. Now he believes and argues that anxiety is characterized by the responsibility that we have over these life-altering choices. He believes that anxiety is at the core of a deeper freedom, past the freedom we normally consider when we talk such as the freedom to vote or the freedom to work where we want. No, he believed that this radical existential freedom is the absolute freedom to decide how we want to exist in the world. Now, Sorin claims that many people fear this anxiety and try to escape it by adopting different social habits and conventions. This form of escape to a life where you believe you must act in accordance with a plan or follow a path was, and still is, comforting for many people. Now, he strongly advocates against this and suggested that the point of life is to be anxious in the right way, to experience one's freedom and face its opportunities as chances for growth, not run away from them. So, how do these ideas apply today? Because this was centuries ago. Well, still today, many people flee towards these social conventions in an attempt to find security and escape this feeling of anxiety even if these social conventions harm them. You might be wondering, well, how can a social convention harm me? Well, we'll look at a classic Bible story of the demoniac in the book of Mark. Jesus comes across this demoniac chained up in the corner of a town, cutting himself with stones. Now he offers to unchain and free the man and forgive him of all his sins, but he refuses, asks Jesus to leave him alone. Now... He relates this story to his idea of anxiety, as the man would rather sit, chained up, bleeding, and self-hurt, rather than face the responsibility of being truly free. And we can still see this today. Plenty of people flock towards social constructs such as the church, their school, their work, just to find some sort of security. This way, they do not feel that they have the responsibility of their own life choices as they blindly follow the instruction of these institutions. But, unluckily for these people, these contracts may seem to eliminate the feeling of dread over choices, but in reality, the only person in control of your life is you. It's a very rough subject for some people to accept that they are completely responsible for their own choices and actions, but I find it quite comforting knowing that I control my own sense of reality and that I make my own future. Let me know what you think. Thank you for joining us today in our discussion of anxiety, kind of a taboo topic. This has been Abstract Mind.